Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. is Rev Dev, and we are looking at week 45 of our text. And so let's uh, take a moment to be with the Holy Spirit, opening our mind to his guidance and his wisdom as we look at these sections. And as always, grant us peace. So this week, we are looking at our week 45. And so it is chapter 26, 10, section 10, through chapter 27, section 5. So we are starting on page 562 uh, here in the text. And our first section is section 10 here in chapter 26. It's the end of injustice. So it's piggybacking off of last uh, section. Uh, so if you see, it's like, oh, realize their presence. Well, their, if you remember, for they have come. That was the section we talked about last time. God and his son is what we're talking about. So the presence of God and his son. What remains to be undone for you to realize God and his son, the presence. And the only thing is, is just, have a differential view of when attack is justified when you think it is unfair not to be allowed. But when you perceive it as unfair, you think that the response of anger is just. So when you think that something is unfair and you think that anger is unjust, you are forgetting the presence, the presence of God, the presence of who you really are. And so you're perceiving attack. And sometimes, you know, sure, we're studying this course, we think, oh, okay, well, I get this, I get this, that, okay, attack is not justified, anger is not justified, but then there's still some that we hold on to that think is fair, that we think is correct, that we can hold on to. And so we have some meaning that we've given to some of those areas in our lives, and we perceive that they're okay. This is okay in this area. Maybe it's in a certain relationship. Maybe it's just in another certain area in your life. But the thing is, is they're all without cause. They're all senseless. They're all keeping us from knowing the presence of God and his son, his son being us. So we are not aware of our own presence. And so we're not in heaven. We are in hell because of it. So in paragraph three, he's talking about unfairness and attack are one mistake. One mistake. And the thing is, is that you have believed in this mistake. You've believed it to be true. And projection of the cause of sacrifice is at the root of everything perceived unfair. Projection is. 
So I'm feeling unfair. I'm projecting what I'm feeling about myself within, projecting it outward. You know, and there comes that victimhood. There comes all that <laughs> coming out, right? Uh, in that, you know, feeling unjust, feeling, you know, I'm not getting my due, all that there. So he says in paragraph four, beware of the temptation to perceive yourself unfairly treated. What you're looking for is something different than the innocence of who we really are. He says there, right? The son of God. We're looking for something else to stake that claim for us. But what we're doing is we're attacking our own innocence. We're attacking the innocence of our brother. And what is that going to get us? Well, you know, we're thinking we're victimized. We're putting on that face of innocence, you know, so I can attack instead of realizing that it's about myself, what I'm feeling within about myself. In paragraph five, he's saying, well, you think that your brother is unfair to you because you think that one must be unfair to make the other innocent, that somebody has to be in the, to blame. Somebody has to be to blame. That's where you're coming from. And the thing is, no one is to blame. Everyone is innocent. And so Holy Spirit comes in and he says, well, let's let the presence of everyone be known for what it is, what the truth is. You have a purpose. Your purpose is to forgive, to see all as one. And that is what is fair. So when we put the unfairness of the world and we lay it upon ourselves, well, then we're saying, well, everything that the Holy Spirit is teaching me has no purpose at all. So when we're judging, we're judging unfairly, right? We're saying someone out there has caused a problem for me. The world has caused a problem for me. <laughs> My brother has caused a problem for me. But now we can let the happy sparkle come through is what he says. The happy sparkle that salvation brings, can you, can you perceive to lighten up your way? And so instead, though, we're seeing ourselves deprived of the light, deprived of who we are that we do have this love and joy and peace that abides in us. But then when we allow the Holy Spirit to see the world through his eyes, and we brought that to the light within us, all the unfairness has been resolved. It's all over. There's only love and justice, not that someone is being punished. The justice is the judgment being is that you are innocent, you are holy, and you are the Son of God. Very end, he says, by this do I deny the presence, if I perceive any injustice, let me rephrase that, this is a little prayer that you can remember, if you perceive injustice anywhere you need but say, by this do I deny the presence of the Father and the Son, and I would rather know of them than see injustice, which their presence shines away. So I don't want to see the injustice. I want to see what will shine it away. And that is the truth. The truth of who God is. The truth of who I am as the Son of God. And that's what ends our chapter there. And so we are looking at chapter 27 now. And that is the first section is the picture, I'm sorry, the picture of the crucifixion. 
and that's on page 565. So looking at this first section in chapter 27. Chapter 27 is called The Healing of the Dream. So we're moving back, you know, we're, we're kind of taking what we just learned and we're moving into this chapter. And he's talking about, again, the idea of feeling unfairly treated. He says it's a compromise attempt that would combine attack and innocence. I've been unfairly treated. Here I am, the innocent victim of this. Someone has attacked me because of who I am and not, I'm not saying who I believe I am in truth, but who I am and my personality. You know, here I am innocent. I've been unfairly treated because someone else has not seen all the wonderful things that I have done or whatever that may be. You know, I'm not getting that appreciation. But what we're doing is we're trying to make something united that isn't. But he says, instead, walk the gentle way. When you walk the gentle way, you walk the way of spirit, you have nothing to fear. Nothing to fear at all. And he says, you know, you cannot crucify yourself alone. And if you are unfairly treated, he must suffer the unfairness that you see cannot sacrifice yourself alone. So it's always a <laughs> one in the same kind of deal. You know, if I see myself unfairly treated, well, then I'm unfairly treating my brother. If I'm sacrificing, my brother is sacrificing. Because of our unity that we share, it can't be one is and one isn't. It's we either see us all as one and in God's love and grace, or we don't. That's, that's what it is. It's pretty black and white in, in that sense. So if we want to release the sacrifice, we have to realize that every pain that we're suffering, we're making someone guilty. We're making either ourselves guilty. You know, most times we're making someone else guilty, right? This is this whole idea of un being unfairly treated. And so do you really want to continue, as he says, to be the living symbol of guilt? Is that where you want to be? Do you want that living symbol of guilt? Do you want to respond to someone else with that guilt that you're feeling within? You know, at such a, a deep level that you don't realize, you know, all the time. So whenever you consent to suffering, you know, whether you're feeling unfairly treated or you're feeling a deprivation in some way, you know, we accuse our brother of causing that. You know, I've had situations where, you know, yeah, my ego wanted to jump in and say, well, you know, my brother is the cause of my pain. I'm attacking. And so I'm trying to crucify my brother for this instance, whatever it may be. Maybe they said something about me, uh, ridiculed me in some way. Uh, but what I'm doing is I'm trying to crucify my brother, but I'm the one, you know, who's crucified. I'm holding that. He says, well, you're holding this picture before his eyes and you're saying, hey, you know, this, you did this, you did this to me. But now don't give that to, to your brother. Don't lay it on your brother. All your hurt and pain that's coming from the past Give it instead to the Holy Spirit because now the Holy Spirit can help us and can do something and show us that there's no need for pain. We don't have to be a martyr. 
in this, that I'm the victim, something has been done to me, I can rise above this. You know, whatever it is, I can rise above. And so when we allow him to be the witness for us, well, then we can see something different. And he goes on in this section, you know, the sick and sorry picture that we accept. You know, I, I've had, I had this happen not too long ago. Uh, I was ridiculed in, in various ways. Uh, and wow, that sickness really uh, felt heavy in my chest. And uh, what was activated was my own fear and guilt. And I was really crucifying myself. I, I really didn't get that angry with the other person. I just felt so terrible about myself. So I was crucifying myself. But yet I was saying that, yeah, that brother's right. That fear and guilt and attack and anger that that person was projecting onto me. Oh, yeah, that's right. And so I was crucifying us both in that, even though I wasn't sitting there saying, oh, that person you know, it is a jerk and, you know, they should be hogtied or, or whatever. Uh, it's still crucifying us both in that. So now Holy Spirit comes in, shows us something different, a different picture of us. Okay, so what? We're not these bodies. There's something beyond this. He witnesses to the eternal truth about us. That we can wipe this all away with laughter and with love. And in this, we're looking upon forgiveness, right? We're looking upon forgiveness. We have healed eyes. We're seeing the innocence of who we are. There is no sin. And so here I am. Instead, I'm here to attest to his innocence. My innocence, my brother's innocence, and no more of the guilt. Otherwise, it's futile to keep focusing on the guilt and the hatred and the attack, what pleasure does that really bring me by focusing on those things? Sometimes we think, oh, yeah, you know, we'll write that little story in our mind or what I could say to that person or, you know, having our secret little fantasies. The thing is, is that <laughs> those thoughts are not private thoughts. They're, you know, we think that we're sending them out to them. Oh, I wish you were dead or I wish you would have something bad happen to you or, or blah, blah, blah. You're just wishing it upon yourself. So now instead you can show, you know, maybe you don't want to hang out with that person anymore. Maybe you don't want to deal with them anymore, physically see them anymore. But instead in your mind, you know, you can still do that. But in your mind, you need to show your brother that there is no sin and there is only love and there is forgiveness. And the Holy Spirit will change your picture of this person. And so no longer are they condemned. You know, you may not like what they do in form here in the world, but on the level of spirit, on the level of heaven, that you see that you're both as one. That nothing can change that in any way. So you allow healing to have its purpose in your life. And that feels so much better than holding on to those grievances, holding on to those judgments, and allow something different to take its place. And there will be more peace in this than holding on to it and holding on to it and holding on to it. You know, letting it stew and bubble and <laughs> cause all kinds of suffering. 
you know, you may not think you're suffering when you're doing that, but but in a sense you are, especially if you become obsessed in your mind about revenge and, you know, why did this person do this to me? And you keep reliving the past. It's time to let it go. It's time to let it go. And in my life, when I've had those situations, yeah, sometimes it kind of stings and it hurts when it happens. But the more that I remember the truth of who I am with Holy Spirit, the truth of who that person is, the better I feel, the more grounded I feel, the more at peace I feel. So let's look at our next section, which is section two here in chapter 27, the fear of healing. And so he starts us off, he says, well, is fear frightening? Well, yeah, it's frightening to many of us. You know, we, we have to stand in the way of trust and peace if we want to not feel what is frightening. Why is it frightening? It's frightening because we don't know what's going to happen or what's it going to be like. We don't know. And so that's what frightens us. You know, we're, we're so used to what we've been living that something different is scary to us. But what if I would have to hang out with this person all the time, you know, referencing to what I talked about in the last uh, section. It's like, no, he, he doesn't force you to do anything at all. You don't have to prove anything. This is at your own pace as you are ready. So take your time. Do what you need to do. Of course, forgiveness will assist you. <laughs> Working with the Holy Spirit with forgiveness. But you need to keep practicing it. And then looking at this idea of forgiveness, not from the way, the old school way of forgiveness. We don't want to, and he mentions here at the bottom of the page, 568, this idea uh, from the Song of Prayer, which is forgiveness to destroy, right? My brother, you have injured me, and yet because I am the better of the two, I pardon you my hurt. Well, that is having an unequal kind of relationship. You know, I am better than you. Instead of realizing we're both equal, we're both the same, God loves us both, and we're both innocent. And so we forgive because we want to see the innocence in both of us. That here in the world, yes, something may have occurred, but in truth, nothing has damaged who we are and our relationship in truth. Nothing, nothing could do that. So there is no separation. There is no difference between us at all. So just let yourself embrace that healing. Allow it to come in. Allow the witnesses to be there to the change of mind, to the miracle that you can have. You want this. That's why you're studying this course. That's, that's why you've taken the time to read through the text all this way is because you want something more than what you've had. And miracles are such a gift of deliverance from the guilt that we've had. Love, he says, would prove all suffering is but a vain imagining. Wow, a vain imagining? That's what suffering is? Yeah, we have, because of our suffering, when we're 
judging someone else, we're angry with someone else, we're attacking someone else. We've paid the cost. And that cost has been our own peace. We have given power to someone else over our peace of mind. And I know when I've been in this, those situations, certainly, because you know you start to get obsessed about it and you fantasize and you make up stories, all these things, and you're not at peace. But once you start to come into that place and it's like, okay, well, wait a minute, who am I? I'm believing something that someone else says that's not true. What is the truth? Okay, I know the truth now. And that's where I'm going to stay. Then there's my peace. I don't have to allow other people to define who I am. Because God has already defined who I am. And so we can step out of this idea of separation because of it. We allow God to define who we are. We listen to the Holy Spirit. He's our guide. He's our help. He's our assistant in this. And so we need a correction when we have forgotten, when we have went to judgment, when we've gone to attack. So now it's like his correction can come in, help us change our perception, see that indeed we are as one, and that our brother has only made a mistake. Perhaps we need to realize that we've only made a mistake and all we need is that correction. That's all that needs to be done and taken care of is we get that correction. I've mentioned this probably before, maybe you've heard me talk about it. My daughter has type one diabetes. And so if her number get, you know, there's a certain number range that her blood sugar needs to be in. And so if it's too high, which sometimes you know, it, it's so hard to kind of keep it in this neutral zone. And so if it gets high, it's not to get upset about it or to attack it or attack her, but it's to just do what you need to do to bring it down to that neutral zone. And that's what it is with Holy Spirit. We don't have to attack ourselves if we've gone out of the zone. We just take the correction, we do what we need to do to bring us back to center to bring us back to where we need to be, where we want to be. And so that's what he helps us with. So our next section is three, uh, beyond all symbols. And so in this section, he says, well, power cannot oppose for opposition would weaken it. And weakened power is a contradiction in ideas. Weak strength is meaningless, and power used to weaken is employed to limit. Well, this is all this idea of power, and the power that we think we have, and the power that we do have. You know, the power that we think we have gives us this picture that we are better than someone else, or less than someone else. And the power that we do have within us, you know, the power of God's light and love and peace shows us that we can overcome those other beliefs, that we think we need ego's power. And ego's power is always going to keep us separate in every way. And so at the top of the page here, he says, well, we've decided that our brother is a symbol for hateful love, a weakened power living death. And so he represents something that is not true 
it's a uh, meaningless thought is what he's telling us. And it's contradicted by the half it canceled out. You know, we think we, we love, but yet we may be using someone or using a situation. And he says, symbols which but represent ideas that cannot be must stand for empty space and nothingness. The picture of your brother that you see means nothing. There is nothing to attack or to deny, to love or hate, or to endow with power to see as weak. We've made up a picture of our brother. We think they are their personality, their identity, what they look like, what they've done in their life, what they do for a living, all that, where they live, how much money they have, how they have treated us, how they've treated other people. It's all a symbol that's not true. It's a symbol of nothingness. That's not who they are. And so we try to fill this space and we try to, like, even if you meet somebody for the first time, uh, you go to a meeting, say, and, and you're in a new environment, all of a sudden you see this person over here and you start to write that story. You know, maybe you listen to the inflection. Maybe they have an accent. Maybe they speak some... Uh, you know, they, they seem to speak maybe towards one political party, for instance. And all of a sudden you start to write this story in your mind. Oh, well, they're conservative or they're liberal or, or whatever it is. It's like, I don't think I want to have anything to do with these people. Well, that's all this story that we're writing up when really underneath it all, they're just as innocent as we are. They're just as loved by God as we are. And so forgiveness can make that fade away. You know, I was at a meeting recently, uh, people I, I really didn't know very well, maybe met one or two times uh, outside of A Course of Miracles. And I was watching my mind as I started to listen to some of the conversation that was going on. And I could watch my ego starting to write these stories. It's like, I didn't know these women. I didn't know these women at all. But my mind, because I heard one little thing about politics over here, and I heard this little thing over here and that thing over here, I started to write that story, which was really starting to keep us separate. And so I would remind myself, no, I want to be open. I want to listen. I want to uh, participate. I don't want to create a symbol that's not true of who these ladies are. And luckily, I did that. And I was able to walk away and feel pretty good about this meeting that I attended. And that's what he wants us. There's power beyond forgiveness, beyond this world of symbols. Just allow the person to be who they are. And that is the truth of who they are. So our next section is section four, the quiet answer. And then as you remember, you're always to be reading these sections for yourself. I'm just pulling out some ideas that I have as we're going through it, but reading it for yourself, journaling, uh, meditating on it, contemplating on it, praying on it, reflecting on it, is really what you need to do for you. It will help you, and you may get something different than I'm getting because I'm going by my experiences, and you'll be going through your experience. This is an individualized curriculum, and there may be some different areas that you're working on. 
for yourself. So in the quiet answer, let's look at that. He says that in quietness are all things answered and is every problem quietly resolved? Oh yeah, let's have our problems resolved, right? In conflict, there can be no answer and no resolution. Then he goes on a little bit and he says, well, time is not involved and every problem can be answered now. Well, what is the problem? We think that we have lots of problems. Well, there is only one problem and that is separation and the answer is oneness. And we find that in the holy instant. We find that answer in the holy instant by remembering that. So if you remember my little story I just told about this meeting that I attended, well, I could have sat there and saw myself as separate and different and I sure felt at times that I was pretty different from these other people. Well, I could have allowed that to keep building the stories and keeping that separation going. But I asked for the holy instant. I asked that, no, I want the answer. And the answer is, well, we're all here. We're all doing the same thing, right? We're just trying to do our best here in the world. And underneath it all is the light of who we are. So we think we're asking some kind of question for a problem. Well, the only question is, well, which do I prefer? What do I prefer? Do I prefer sin? Do I prefer the form? Do I prefer the body? Do I, well, or do I prefer the answer? The real answer, the true answer. So these are all questions about the world, which are not going to give us an answer. Now, obviously, we have questions here in the world that need to be answered. You know, like, well, what time are you coming to work today? <laughs> you know, things like that. But that's not really what he's talking about. Do we want an honest question? Do we want to question the value that we hold here in the world? That's what we want to question. Well, what am I holding on to here? Am I holding on to the conflict? Or am I holding on? You know, or do I want to, you know, hold on to what the truth is? So as we turn the page and he says, only within the holy instant can an honest question honestly be asked. Here it is a, uh, possible to separate your wishes from the answer so it can be given you and also be received. So the questions of the world, but ask of whom is sacrifice demanded? Always sacrifice of some sort. So are you ready to hear the answer? So we can't solve the problems of the world, but we bring the problem to the only place where our problems can be solved. And that is with love, right? Bring the fear to the love. The problems are the fear. Love answers, answers all. In the holy instant, he says, you can bring the question to the answer and receive the answer that was made for you. And that answer is love and oneness. So we have our final section for today. And that is section five, the healing example. The only way to heal is to be healed. He starts us off here. The miracle extends without your help, but you are needed that it can begin. Accept the miracle of healing 
and it will go forth because of what it is. It is its nature to extend itself the instant it is born, and it is born the instant it is offered and received. No one can ask another to be healed, but he can let himself be healed and thus offer the other what he has received. So we can have it within ourselves. We're denying it for ourselves. We can't really bestow it. It says, who can bestow upon another what he does not have? We already have that within us, the healing within us. The Holy Spirit speaks to us. And when we listen to his voice, we have to accept what he's saying. We have to believe it. And so then he goes on. No one is healed through double messages. If you wish only to be healed, you heal. That's it. If you want <laughs> the change... You can have it. It's not, oh, I have to do X, Y, and Z before I can be healed. You can be healed right now. Miracles wait not on time. Waits on you to just accept it. Say yes to it. He says the holy instant is the miracle's abiding place. From there, each one is born into this world as witness to the state of mind that has transcended, transcended conflict and has reached a peace. Okay, join in the holy instant, right? As soon as I am ready and done with, with the pain, with the suffering, whatever it may be, on so minuscule or if it's large, whenever I'm done, I come to the holy instant, the miracle is there, and there is no sadness that the miracle will not heal. All you have to do is give one little instant without attack, in that instant, we are healed. He says, well, what stands apart from you when you accept the blessing that the holy instant brings? Don't be afraid of this blessing. We think we have to be perfect and do this course perfect and purify ourselves and all these things before we can accept this holy instant and accept this blessing. And the blessing is already there. We just have to say yes to it. Yes, I'll take the blessing. Yes, there is nothing else. The bottom of the page, he says, come to the holy instant and be healed for nothing that is there received is left behind on your returning to the world. And being blessed, you will bring blessing. As you know, you are blessed. You bring that blessing. And the situations that I talked about earlier, you know, people who have given me a hard time or ridiculed me, that sort of thing. Well, come into the holy instant. I allow the healing. I allow the recognition of who I really am to come forth. And in that, I can only have blessing for those other people. can only have that. I don't want to hold on to what is really a death, right? By pointing fingers by feeling hatred or attack. I mean, those are pretty extreme words, but if you think about what you do feel during those times, yeah, they can be pretty strong. You know, it's for us to admit it and be honest with ourselves. But once I came to that place, what happened didn't affect me anymore. And actually, I couldn't even remember it. 
you know, I was talking with someone. I was like, well, I can't even remember the circumstances and what it was all about. It would take me a little bit to think about it because it didn't matter anymore. Because I was healed and I sent that blessing to the other person that they are healed too. Now, will they accept it? I don't know. It's for them to accept when they are ready. I can accept it for myself and I can accept it for the other person. So the holy instance radiance will light your eyes and give them sight to see beyond all suffering and see Christ's face instead. And that's what I saw in my brother is Christ's face. It replaces all the suffering. So what about these problems that we have? Problems are not specific, paragraph eight, but they take specific forms and these specific shapes make up the world. No one understands the nature of this problem. We think we have all these problems, right? No. Thus he perceives it cannot, he cannot perceive it as it is. But healing is apparent in specific instances and generalizes to include them all. So we may have little healings in different areas in our lives and relationship and situation, etc. But what it really comes down to is the one problem, one answer, separation, and the answer, union, unity. So our healing will extend as we keep bringing those problems that we think we have to the Holy Spirit. All healing must proceed. Keep going. Don't be afraid to bring all of that. Let your learning, he says, the transfer of your learning to the one who really understands it. Let him take care of it. It says your part is merely to apply what he has taught you to yourself and he'll do the rest. It's like, okay, well, I need to give that over to him. I need to be aware of it. I need to accept it. I need to feel what I'm feeling. And then there in the holy instant. Now that could take a minute. That could take 10 minutes, it could take a day, it could take a week, it could take a year. It's up to you. And it's okay. There's no judgment on the length of time this takes because it is yours. And what you decide is up to you. And when you offer that, yes, I want that healing, then peace is yours. And he says, well, you will learn that peace is given you when you accept the healing for yourself. Yes, I am worthy of this healing. And sometimes that's what stops us is that feeling of unworthiness. But no, you are worthy of the healing. You are worthy of the love. Let that love enter in. Let it come in. Take that gift of love that God has given us and accept it for yourself. So that wraps up our sections for this time. Next time in week 46, we will be looking at chapter 27, section 6, through chapter 28, section 3. So I thank you so much for joining with me. And as always, I wish you peace. Namaste.